The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Stomps, stomps, stomps. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I'm Rick Welch, and to my right, Billy I Candy Kimsey. Like a baby Ruth. More satisfying than a home run. <laughs> Babe Ruth, Baby Ruth. Okay. I moved them to keep you on your toes. <laughs> That's my favorite candy, by the Is way. it really? Mm-hmm. Well, all right, then. So. My favorite my favorite Baby Ruth, uh, you know, comedy thing was on, uh, what was that movie? Was it uh, about the golfers? Caddy, Caddyshack. Yeah, Caddyshack. Where there was the Baby Ruth in the, in the pool, you know? Oh, yeah. Bill Murray pulls oh, yeah. it out and he just starts I'm pretty sure it. that was in Meatballs, too. Do you remember that movie? The uh, I didn't meat, see the that Bill Murray Meat. Mm, that's mm-hmm. a funny movie. It was a- From the 80s. You're here in Sarita, the Edge, Edgerton. Hi, y'all. Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. And to my left, Big Daddy Carter. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Big Daddy. He laughs every time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds so funny. good. Yeah. I can't help it. It's like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. The, the Rick Aid no, Man. Yeah, but the, the, the Rick is at the right hand of the father. <laughs> <laughs> we also got... Our special guest, Joshua Sexton. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He puts the sex in Sexton. (laughs) The name Sexton actually means pastor, dude. Oh, good. You put the sex in pastor. (laughs) I don't know how to take that at all. He also puts the shoe in Joshua. (laughs) Joshua. Yeah. I can't hear you. What'd you get yourself into, Joshua? Let's hear you talk. Oh, hello. Oh, I can't hear you now. Okay. I'm just over. You know, it's too loud, I guess. You're just yeah. destroying my name. Did you did you guys hear did you guys hear you know our uh what is the Garden of Eden exactly drop today? Did anybody go back and listen to that? I'm yet? halfway through. Yeah. Do I not sound like a total DB in that? Let's be real. I sound like a total what was it? Douche canoe. Douche canoe. Douche canoe. <laughs> yeah. I sound like such a douche canoe. I'm just like that's a DC. It has to be this way and blah, blah, blah. I don't like You're who more is like- that dude that's talking about I can't what is wrong with me? You're more like a douche ship. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Pretty much. Yes. Awesome. I don't even want to think about that. I, I, As the only ship. female in the room, I don't want to think about that. Yeah, Andy had sent it to me, and I didn't. I, I just hurriedly listened to it last night, and when I, I was like, I don't even want to release this. I sound like such a, a douche canoe. And got that for you. It's pretty I, I, early. I mean, it starts out pretty quick. Like, hi, everybody. I'm a douche canoe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so tonight, uh, I asked Josh, I think we talked about this when you came in, you know, for your testimony, about your journey. Um, obviously, you told the story that you're an annihilationist, right? Mm-hmm. And so you told that story, but you didn't really get into why. You just said that it you know, there were reasons why you believed it. And so I asked if you'd come back in here and let's actually have that conversation. You know, there's plenty of us uh, Christians, I don't count myself among them, that believe in eternal conscious torment. Um, I don't believe that the Scripture teaches it either. However, um, there's plenty that do. And so this talk is going to, you know, some people might be like, 
I'm turning this off, you know, like, but Probably. I hope we've never done in. that before. No, it happens be all the time. Yeah. I hope you'll hang in and at least listen a little bit and see, you know, where he's coming from, where, where I'm coming from and, um, understand it's not because we weren't raised to believe that hell existed. It wasn't, it didn't actually affect me in the same way. I just kind of thought, okay, that's what God does. I can't control it. But I always wondered like, you know, why, you know, like why right. would that happen? But so you tell me like, when did it start for you? Like when did in your mind, you're like, this isn't right. Something doesn't seem right. Did you read something in the scripture or how did it, how did it happen for you? I, I was growing up, I was in a independent fundamental Baptist circles. Like we've talked about, yeah. we talked about it last time. And so when we, you go to camp or it, you'd hear it in church sometimes, but anytime there was like an evangelistic service where we need to get as many kids to freak out and repeat a prayer, inevitably it, you would hear, um, you start talking about burning forever, right? Mm-hmm. So someone would get up there and go, you ever burned your finger? Now hell's that on your whole body. Or you'd, you'd go and they'd do a, a campfire service and you'd have a bunch of kids sitting around a campfire and they'd be like, stare into the flames. Do you want to live in those flames forever? Right? right. And it was just, you'd have guys screaming, screaming from the from the stage, from the pulpit about what it was going to be like to burn forever and ever and ever. Guys would describe flames, how hot it was going to be. They would tell you what temperature they thought it was. Um, and that was kind of what I grew up around. And it was a really good sales pitch. Um, you know, it's like... Yeah, fear works. Yeah. Fear works, mm-hmm. right? Does, especially right. with 13-year-olds. Sure yeah, especially with kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You want to you want to get someone to go, hey, uh, do you love Jesus? Not really. Well, he's going to burn you if you don't. Okay, I love Jesus, right? Right. Have you ever done one of those um, judgment, uh, judgment houses? Oh, yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Halloween. Yeah, they freaked me out. Yeah, but Ebenezer had one one time, and it freaked me out. It was wild. It was fun to be a part of one, though. It was fun to be in it. I didn't want to go through it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. loved Have you ever telling done people about torture. Yeah, I think I, when, when I was you younger. You walk through and somebody dies. And I, go, I remember they either walking go to across, heaven or hell. I remember a church did it in Charlotte when I lived in Charlotte in like the woods. And they had people under <gasps> this bridge. And like they the had Blair lights that looked like fire. And these people were screaming and reaching up and grabbing you by the ankles. Like they were going to pull you down in there. Yeah, and then at the end they were like, "Pray this prayer, punch and this." You corner. won't have to go over that bridge again, <laughs> right? Do you want <laughs> so to live year. there? Yeah. So I, you know, it was just sort of part of my culture, as it is for most of us that grew up in church. And then my brother was at was going to school online, and he was getting a theology degree. And in the course of that study, the concept of annihilationism was sort of presented as this side thing. Like there's some weirdos that believe this. Mm -hmm. He mentioned it to me. I started looking into it a little bit, but, um, so I was probably, I don't know, 19, a few years later, uh, or a year or two later, I was a youth pastor and a girl came up to me and said, my, my older sister or my younger sister anyways, died in a car accident and she burned to death. She was trapped in the car. She burned to death. She wasn't a Christian. And I asked my pastor what happened to her. And he said, the minute she stopped burning in the car, she started burning in hell and she would be burning there forever. Mm-hmm. And she said, is that true? And it was kind of one of those things that I've always had a an issue with. It never made sense. You know, you start talking about the doctrines taught in scripture. 
about the justice of God, the holiness of God, the grace of God, like all of the things that we know the Bible teaches us about humanity and about God himself. And you look at him and you go, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Even stuff I can't understand, I can believe by faith, right? So right. Say the yeah. Trinity, for instance. Mm-hmm. I can see it taught in scripture. I don't, I, I don't understand it. Right. But I can believe it. Mm-hmm. And that was this one thing that didn't seem to fit with everything I knew about the nature and character of God. So I started studying. I spent years studying it. Um, but that was sort of the point where I went. I, I'm looking at this girl going, I believe the Bible is true. If the Bible teaches it, I've got to tell this girl the truth. And I told her, let me study and I'll get back to you. I don't know if I ever got back to her because it took me so long to work it out. Mm-hmm. Um and then it took several years before I sort of got to a point where I was confident that well, of what I bl- believe that the Bible teaches, mm-hmm. which is not eternal conscious torment. Sure. Can can I pause? Yeah. I, I remember that story in your testimony. And why would a pastor say that? I mean, I, I just don't understand. I, I guess I'm missing something. Like Apparently, why, she why, asked why where her he, sister was. Yeah, I know. But I mean— because did you not a, repent then, or or I, I don't? You didn't have the opportunity, or she wasn't saved, or or she wasn't. I believe she wasn't a Christian. Okay, so the okay. the girl that had died, her sister said, "I don't believe she was a Christian." So just boom. where is she? Okay, okay, and, okay that okay. Yeah, I was and just, see I was, the the blatant honesty of a person that says, "Look, this is just the truth." Right. That's how they see it, and so they're not going to lie. They're not going to make you feel better. They're just going to be blatant and that's what it is i get that not realizing yeah, just guess, how but. bad it hurts the person to think like oh okay so yay i got myself corrected but i know that my sister is burning forever between uh between ages i'd say of 15 and 27 i spent most of that time un unlearning that the truth was the right way to go through life and it's frequently not mm-hmm. it's frequently just mean Mm-hmm. for no benefit to any person involved in a conversation, at which point, I'm not sure it's worth it. Yeah. In other words, if someone says, are you, when you say truth, you're not being biblical truth. You just mean truth in general. I mean general. the truth. I like mean, that's the truth says, of what that man believed. Forget like, the fact that it's biblical. Does right. this dress Immaterial. make me look fat? Yeah. Does this dress make me look fat? Yes. Like, there's sometimes no. you just it lie. Took me, it took, me almost, <laughs> yeah. it took yeah. me almost 30 years to learn Settle down, Sarita. You take it easy over there. <laughs> yeah, you that, never say yeah, yes to that question. Like that. She's in between the two hotties right now. She doesn't know what to do with herself. Yeah. Candy sandwich. Anyway. <laughs> she, did, well, she, wore, like, she wore kind of a cute dress, though, to be fair. I mean, she came ready. It's a shirt and shorts. Well, it's just take a break. The, the, you just the dress take a break. thing. I don't know. Somebody hand her some water. I've been at the pool all day. I've been working hard at the pool all day. And she's got a tan. Yeah, see? Well, the but yeah, I see what you mean open. about the truth. You're right. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's like, do I really want to be so blatantly honest? about everything that I see, you know? Hey, how do you think I did on this job? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, There's yeah. a time for it. It was neat. There's uh, plenty <laughs> of times when the truth is is hurtful without benefit. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you know, I don't know why. It, it really took me a long time to figure that out. This is like a weird thing that a lot of people just know when they're t- five. Right. And for her, you know, that question of, and I don't know if this is the exact question that she asked, but I don't know if my sister was a Christian if not, what? You know, it could have been, you know, how easily could he have said, you know, those? this is something that's going to be between her and God. Like, we Bingo, don't know. Yeah. We mean, really don't so know. Many other so that could have left, that. I'm not saying that it's leaving, like, total hope, but at least it's something to think about. You never know. You just don't know. 
Yeah, and I definitely err on the side of, and I agree with what Andy's saying, especially relationally. There's a lot of times that everybody doesn't always have to know what's in my mind, yeah. right? Like just saying, well, it was the truth. Or yeah, or you're just being a douche canoe, right? Yeah, totally. To use your word. I know but all about that. In in the context of like as a pastor, um, which I was, or like as someone that tries to teach the Bible, it is extremely important for me that if the Bible says it, in that context, mm-hmm. if the Bible says it, I have to teach it, you know, mm-hmm. the whole counsel of God's word. So that's, from my perspective, I knew that I had to settle that question because I was going to spend the rest of my life answering it. Mm-hmm. And because I knew that it was, it didn't make any sense. Right. And, and from what I knew of scripture, I, I'd heard proof texts, like I'd heard a couple verses used to, to defend eternal torment. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, as soon as I realized that there was another interpretation of scripture, and when I found out this dude named John Stott, yep. that's a very famous theologian, the minute I found out that he believed it, I went, okay, this is worth studying mm-hmm. because he's not, he ain't a crazy dude. Right. You know, he, he's, uh, he's a well-respected guy that came to this conclusion, and I know how he draws his conclusions. Mm-hmm. His conclusions are based on what the Bible actually teaches. Mm-hmm. So I knew, okay, this isn't just someone uncomfortable with the theology, so they're making up something else. Yeah. So I just started studying it then. So let's let's take a walk down that, can we? Like, let's talk about some of the verses that stick out in your mind that might be that it's eternal conscious torment. What do you think those verses, you know, like, let, let's say Matthew 25. Nope. Right? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Right? Yes. So you hear that. Now, you are going to rationalize that by saying what, right? Luke 16. Let's go to Luke 16. And the rich man died, and he lifted up his eyes in heaven, and being in torment. Now, we know that that's Sheol, right? But he looked, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Father Abraham, have Lazarus dip his finger in the water and touch my tongue. You know, but I guess he couldn't see the giant great gulf between them. I don't know. Annie could talk and all that. I have some different views on Luke 16. So so tell me, when you hear those two verses alone, what do you do with that? So a couple different things. The first one you quoted from Matthew 25, mm-hmm. the eternal fire, right? Isn't that, isn't that the, the way that that one stated? The everlasting fire prepared for his devil and his angels. Right. I would immediately go to Jude, okay. where Jude says Sodom and Gomorrah is a picture of the eternal fire that awaits sinners. Right. Right. So clearly, if Jude uses the term eternal fire for the fire that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, we know that it's not talking about eternal induration. Right. Sodom and Gomorrah are gone. That's right. Which means that the word eternal must be referring to its consequences, not its duration. Mm -hmm. So it must be an eternal fire that's eternal in its consequences, but it's not still happening or else he wouldn't have used Sodom and Gomorrah. Or under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he used a really bad analogy. Mm-hmm. So right? what we're saying is we're having a problem with a time statement. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shocker in this studio. I love it. Yeah, and then you go to Revelation where it says the smoke rises, the smoke will rise forever and ever. Or the smoke rises, what is that? Revelation 14, Yes, I believe, mm-hmm. where the smoke rises forever and ever. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is they say, okay, the, that the smoke's rising forever and ever, therefore people are there burning forever and ever. But mm-hmm. if you go to Isaiah, when Isaiah uh, talks about the destruction of Edom, mm-hmm. it says that the fire from the destruction of Edom 
rises forever and ever, mm-hmm. which and Edom's gone. Yeah. Which means that it's a picture of the eternal destruction. It's more of a picture of um, the evidence of its destruction rather than an ongoing fire that's continuing to burn. And if you don't know the that phrase and what it actually means in biblical language, mm-hmm. then you read it in the New Testament, you go, see, they're going to burn forever. Their smoke is going to rise forever and ever. But if you know what Isaiah says, you know, it's just a picture of utter total destruction that mm-hmm. people can look at Edom and go, when God destroyed it, he did it right. Mm-hmm. That's the picture that's being, that's being yeah, portrayed because, there. And that's the strange thing. Historically speaking, he says, I'm destroying this city forever and they're still gone. Right. They're all still gone. All. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that, that said something to me, like, why doesn't somebody who wants to be like a jerk decide I'm going to go build a city called Sodom right where Sodom was? Like, why don't they do it? Probably right. too much salt around there, or too much. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's up with it, right? Well, this could be another one of those conversations, like we had so much of last week, where you you go into the um, what's the wording? Destroying forever? Is that what you said? The wording is burning forever, burning, or, yeah, yeah, Des- eternal destruction, eternal, eternal destruction, destruction eternal destruction. See, that's. That's perfect. Eternal destruction could easily have been ended. Right. Mm-hmm. Could easily right. have been ended before it was translated, or some version of that that also looks like eternal destruction. And eternal destruction maybe tastes a little better than ended. You know what I mean? It's just, this could so easily be a definitions thing or a translation thing, like so easily. Yeah. So I don't know that it is, but it's. You know. Well, that's and that's it's a good point that you make because the word hell that was placed into the Bible was not actually a word that needed to be translated. Like hell, the words are in the Old Testament are Sheol and Tartaru, and then in the New Testament you have Hades and Gehenna. Each time, first of all, Sheol and Hades is the grave. Why did they use the word hell there? Well, it's because they had these preconceived notions or traditions or whatever, like the King James Version at that point, the church is already preaching these doctrines. And so when they translate it, it's just like, hell, that's where you put the word, hell. And then it becomes a thing all, all unto itself in the English language, which we've talked about in here numerous times, how these words get put in, you know, and, and then we have doctrines built on them. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it is. And you, you tradition tells you you can't look at it any differently. So I imagine that you went on that study of like, the grave, right? Oh yeah, and and you look at um, I think there's a twelve uses of the word Gehenna mm-hmm. in the Gospels. Jesus mm-hmm. says it eleven times. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Jesus talks about it being cast out um, into the eternal fire of Gehenna, where he says where the worm doesn't die, right, mm-hmm. and the fire is not quenched. Yeah, we take that verse and we say, okay, this is a this is speaking of first of all, Jesus is talking about the lake of fire, which he's clearly not. Mm-hmm. Gehenna is a trash dump. The Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom, where yeah. the fire would be burning constantly. People would throw trash in there. It would get burned up. Worms is a picture of decay. But they'll take that literal eternal fire and go, well, it must be eternal in duration, right? But we don't believe that Jesus was actually teaching fireproof worms. Mm-hmm. Right? So we, we go <laughs> where the worm doesn't die. Uh, so there's fireproof worms in there. Uh, no. it's a Jesus is... is, is making a point and painting a picture of this utter destruction that happens in Gehenna. Another thing that you, that you have is Gehenna is not there anymore. Right. The Valley of Hinnom's there, 
mm-hmm. but it's not a place that is a picture of any kind of destruction. It's a beautiful place you can go to. Mm-hmm. But the picture Jesus was making was of the utter destruction of the wicked being cast out. Um, if you go to the Old Testament, there's 70 references to around 70, at least 70 references to the ultimate end of the wicked. Mm-hmm. All of them refer to utter total destruction and annihilation. Mm-hmm. All of them. Um, it wasn't until Augustine that you, well, you had Tertullian earlier on who basically said he was a, a, a Greek philosophy student. And he brought his concept of the eternal soul. I'm probably getting ahead of you, but he brought this concept of the eternal soul into his theology, mm-hmm. assumed that, and then said, well, since souls are eternal, they have to either go to a good place or a bad place. Mm-hmm. So all of these references in the Bible to utter destruction got changed. And they say, well, that can also just mean separation from God. That can also total destruction and death. When the Bible says death, it doesn't actually mean the cessation of life. It just means you're not with God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe it was borrowed from Greek philosophy and not what the Bible actually teaches. Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the main issues that I, that we've come across here on this podcast, uh, especially recently when we had Dr. Sam Frost on here. We've learned so much that the culture and the language matters in your interpretation of the Bible, and it's unfortunate because. When you're raised in church as a child, you're given an English Bible and you read it with your mind that you've you've been given, but you're also filtering it through the things that you've been taught. And so my frustration has been every time we do a study, we start to understand, oh, it doesn't mean what it means at its face value. There's a whole lot more to this. My, My favorite example will forever be the rich man through the eye of the camel thing. Yes. The literal gate that camels had to kneel to go through, which everybody knows if you've listened to this podcast, but... That's my favorite thing. It's not metaphorical. Yeah, it's not, it's not a. But I've read. Yeah, but I've a, also read that that was incorrect. And like you, you get differences. I like what you're saying, and it actually makes more sense. We're like, well, they said, well, then who can be saved? And he says, you know, it's impossible. Whatever is impossible with man is possible with God. So it's like the impossible, right? <laughs> But I agree with you. I mean, there are times whenever, like, you never heard that before. Neither, I mean, I had. I'd read some. But if, I, if yeah, you I read know. it at its face value, you would automatically think, well, it's just a standard sewing needle. And maybe it is. But regardless, but there the, are things yeah. in the Bible that are like that. The other one just makes more sense. Yeah. You know, uh, and I'm a fan of Occam's razor, as yeah. it were. Not that it's it could not be true, but it sounds more true than the first one, which is, just seems like a random, it seems like a, what do they? Uh, what do they call that? Not Dada. It seems like a Dada is metaphor. Just like mm-hmm. I like to put Tonka trucks in my chimney. Yeah. I, you know, like it, yeah. faster you get Tonka trucks through a chimney. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like how did you put those two things together? Why those two things? Right. That is a wild uh, camels through a needle. Yeah, Jesus you know? loved to use camels. He yeah. he told the Pharisees one time he was like, "You strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel." You know? I, guess, I guess that's cultural. There you go with cultural, though. Another good one is Revelation when he says, I would rather you be hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Uh-huh. I don't remember the city. Do you remember which city he was talking about? Laodicea. Thank yeah, you. the Laodiceans. Uh-oh, Sarita, with the knowledge. That city didn't have their own water source, so they had to pipe it in. So mm-hmm. they piped in hot water and cold water. It would mix, and it was nasty. And it was famous for having this nasty lukewarm water. It wasn't medicinal or or refreshing. So when when he said that, 
He's like, be hot, be medicinal, be cold, be refreshing. He wasn't saying what they all twisted into saying, what so many preachers say. Jesus would rather you not care about him at all than not be perfect. Right. That's not what it means, yeah. right? I would rather you be useful than completely useless. That's that's the only correct interpretation of that. Yeah. But if you don't know what he's saying, you end up telling a bunch of people that, and services all the time that if you're not sold out to God and on fire for God, and if you've sinned in the past week, he wants to puke you. Yeah. That's not what it means. Yeah. I've heard that sermon probably 20 times in my life. (laughs) Me too. Am I lukewarm? You go home. (laughs) I'm touching my arm after I lick my finger, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Am I lukewarm? Am I tepid? Am I tepid? Am I tepid? (laughs) (laughs) That's good. You say it like that, yes. (laughs) My smell is real strong. (laughs) I so all right so Old Testament the grave you know one of the things that always kind of bothered me whenever it said that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord so I hope you enjoy the gift because we're giving you eternal life in hell right because that doesn't make any sense Eternal life is a gift that's given by Christ to those who put their trust in Him, who their faith in Him. Those that don't are rejected. So are they given life everlasting, but it's just torturous? Is that the point? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. That drives me nuts. That was a huge one. That was a huge one for me. Yeah. Because that was, and that's what I was referring to with the Greek, the Greek philosophy where Plato was is man has a body and a soul. The body is temporary. The soul is eternal. Right. That's what Plato taught. Mm -hmm. These theologians came along, put that into scripture, and then interpreted scripture based on that assumption that they made. What the Bible teaches is that the wages of sin is death. God told Adam and Eve, if you disobey me, you will surely die. Mm -hmm. And our response to that is, well, when he said die, he doesn't mean what the Bible means Everywhere when it says death, that word doesn't mean the same thing there. It means you go to a bad place. Mm-hmm. And so when that got read into scripture, now it's exactly what you're saying. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So we know that God is the only source of life, which in the springboard off of that, hell is separation from God. The lake of fire is separation from God forever. God is gone. God is not there. Okay, who's keeping them alive? Mm-hmm. So you then have to say, Human beings are autonomous and can survive without the presence of God, without God keeping them alive, or Satan's a source of life because Satan's there. Right. Neither of those are biblical concepts, and you start getting into really weird theological grounds when you start saying that man can exist apart from God. But I believe biblically it's completely unnecessary, mm-hmm. right? So when they we are left it, to ourselves, we die. They make it interdimensional, and partial preterists that I know um, have done written quite a bit about this by making these dimensions. I don't know where they come from. It's not biblical, but that's how they do it. They, it, the everlasting life is in a different dimension apart from God. God's forgotten about that place, but it's there because God is eternal. Right. But it's there. They bring a lot of philosophy it. involved. It's really yeah. It's and when bizarre. you bring philosophy, it, it there there's no boundaries to that. You yeah. can go any direction as far as you want to go. Well, and the biggest argument they'll say is, well, sin against uh, an eternal God requires for eternal punishment. Mm-hmm. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Yeah. And every time God punishes people in the Old Testament that needed severe punishment, mm-hmm. they died. He killed them. And he says over and over and over that that is the result of the wicked. Right. 
So what do you do with Luke chapter 16? And I'm going to look up a verse. I wanted something that came to my mind. And while I'm looking it up, how do you handle Luke 16? Because that is used in pulpits across America. Is, wait, that's the parable. The, that's, yeah, it's the oh, one about the simple. rich man. Is it simple? It's, it's a parable. Okay. Right? So in every parable, the number one rule of hermeneutics or biblical interpretation that you learn when you go to Bible college or if you're you know over the age of 12 is you cannot draw theological truths beyond the point of the parable, right? Mm -hmm. So when Jesus told a parable, he's making one point. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other parables that would, you know, whether it's the 10 versions and the, and the candle, like you can't draw conclusions about the, the nature of candlesticks and virgins based on that parable. He's making right. a singular point. In that parable, he's drawing a comparison between the rich man without him and the poor man with him and their ultimate end. So if you do want to draw conclusions based on that story and you do say, no, this is a picture of what can actually happen because nobody actually believes that anybody in hell is going to be able to talk to somebody in heaven. Right. We don't say that's literal, but we take the, the rest of it and go, we know that this is, he's in Abraham's bosom. He's not even in heaven. So we know this is a temporary, temporary state. So this would be Hades, New Testament term or Sheol in Hebrew. We don't believe that they can speak. We know that Jesus is making a broader point, but we also know that he's certainly not referring to the lake of fire. So even if you concede the point that he's in a literal place at that time, we're not after the final judgment. We're not at the point of the lake of fire. So we know he wasn't talking about that. My position is when death and hell are cast into the lake of fire, death and hell are cast into the lake of fire, that is the second death. At that point is when the utter destruction would happen. And we know for sure that the time frame that Jesus is talking about isn't then, right? right? So even if you say you can draw conclusions about the nature of hell from that passage, we know we he's not even in the time period where we will have gotten to the lake of fire yet. I feel like none of that made any sense. But no, no, it didn't. I'm thinking out loud. You know, um, Pastor David Curtis was talking about that with parables that you don't want to, they, they don't need to grow legs. Yeah, walk on all fours. Yeah, don't walk on all fours with a parable because you can. You can start to take every little thing that he puts in it and try to figure it out, you know. Right. Um, and what he says that that parable is is simply role reversal. It's showing that the rich, um, the way that they act, that they're going to go to the tormentous place, and then those that are good, um, who may be beggars and poor. And that was a part of Jesus's ministry a lot. He talked about the poor. You know, uh, the poor in spirit, the widow's might. He talked about the rich man, you know, uh, who went away and wept bitterly because he wouldn't give up. You know, he was all the time using, you cannot serve God and mammon, right? So this parable in particular, though, to me, I've always thought it was somewhat prophetic. And one of the reasons why people say that it's not a parable is because the name Abraham and the name Lazarus is in it, Right. Because that's unusual. His other parables don't have names. It's usually there's a certain man or a certain rich man. And so, because that's so unusual, I've always said it was a parabola, uh, parabolic prophecy. It's because I learned something about who he's talking about inside it. I let it grow on four legs, but to me, I found some amazing things, you know? like, And I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. I don't know if I've talked to you about it, but so... 
the purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously. It's obvious that it, this is the high priest that he's talking about. It's this. That's who it is. Hmm. Okay. And then I've seen in all kinds of books. Was this the same Lazarus that he raised from the dead? And most will tell you no. And I agree. It's not. But he does raise a Lazarus from the dead, which is kind of odd, don't you think? I've never and thought of that. It's only mentioned in John chapter eleven, and Lazarus is never mentioned anywhere else in all of the Gospels ever. He's only mentioned in John chapter eleven and John chapter twelve. You hear about Mary and Martha, his sisters, in the other Gospels, but never Lazarus. So it's kind of neat that in Luke chapter sixteen, you hear about some random beggar dude that's got some sores on him, and he dies. And he gets carried to Abraham's bosom, some guy named Lazarus. Which was also a guy that was at the gates. Which was also a guy that was at the gates. And Lazarus himself got sick and died. And they called and said, you know, come and see. And he waited four days, right? Before he raised him from the dead. So in the midst of it, while the rich man is talking to Abraham, and he's asking for Lazarus to dip his finger, he says... They have Moses and the prophets, right? Let them listen to that. Well, I'm not letting a parable grow four legs when I say Jesus is the fulfillment of the mo- of the law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. He's going to raise from the dead, mm-hmm. but he's telling him, no, they've got what they need. They're just not listening to it. And he says, no, Father Abraham send someone back from the dead because I have five brothers. I'm not letting a parable grow legs. Why did he use the number five? Do you think that it matters? I'm starting to sound like a douche canoe. There's the voice. I'm I'm fascinated. Keep talking. I think what's going on is that I think I'm so right that I'm telling everybody that they're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. What a jerky jerk face I am. No, it's it's not growing legs because it's all legitimate. Real people. Yeah, but yeah. I want to know why it's five. The reason why it's five, which will blow your mind. Well, let me ask you oh, one question. Let's do this. <laughs> What's going to blow your mind, pal? Oh, I says can. the douche canoe. <laughs> so here we go. All right. Can you tell me the name of the man that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts to? Oh, see if you hadn't asked me. Uh, I don't remember. Theophilus. Theophilus. Oh, there you go. Okay. Okay. Sarita right. on the Sarita. ball today. You don't just get to talk when you're right, okay? That's <laughs> like, if you bat a thousand when you swing once, it doesn't count. All right. I swung She's, twice, thank you very that's much. That's right. The, 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 yeah, okay. Sweet. Theophilus. Yes, that's right. I'm just listening to I remember your now. sultry tones in the douche canoe. Who's right. the hottie now? Douche. You. Huh? You definitely. I'm, I'm sweating over here. Listen, I'm so attracted to you right now. Keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> He's one of those, so, those five guys are. It is the best. Yeah. All right. So it's always the best. People have often asked, like, well, who was that guy? Who's most excellent Theophilus? And if you look, most people don't really know. You, they, he was some random guy. At, in Greek, it means the friend of God. So he was writing, no, he's an actual person. And he's a very interesting person. So the five brothers, if I just told you that the man in fine linen, and in, in purple and fine linen, was the high priest— the high priest of the time during Christ's time was Caiaphas, and he was a Sadducee. And one thing that we understand is that Serenius, the governor, initially put these 
priests in place, right? We, we know that. Just like Herod was a puppet king, so are these priests, okay? So now, Caiaphas has a father-in-law. You read about him in the Gospel of John. Do you remember his name? Quit asking me questions. Annas. Annas. So, <laughs> yeah, but, ne- well, never, yeah. So, I remember that because when I was a kid, I read it differently. Anus. But yeah. Anus. <laughs> yeah. The Uranus. priest, Annas. So Annas. Uranus. Was Father Annas. Annas was the high priest, but he was taken out by the Roman government. You see? That's right. Yeah. The high priests yep. weren't able to hold their position anymore just because God put them there. The Roman government were the ones that were controlling the priest's high office. Right. So- Ananias is there, or not Ananias, Annas is there. He's taken out. There's a couple more. Then Caiaphas, his son-in-law. The Gospel of John says that he was married to Annas' daughter. Do you know how many sons Annas has? I'm guessing he had five. Exactly five. And every one of them was a high priest. Mm. And you know who was the high priest during the time of Luke and, and Paul's missionary journeys? Theophilus ben Annas, the son of Annas. Yes. Most people don't do their history or their research. Okay, so so I don't think that's growing legs. That's interesting because well, it's extremely interesting. Yeah. Because I, I have always wondered, because I've heard that with the names, actually the names being in this story, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, which definitely makes it different. Mm-hmm. It 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 has sort of the same flow as so many of the parables, but I that's interesting. I don't think it changes how I feel about what it teaches about hell. Well, well, it actually but does. It actually gives it a whole lot of. Yes. It actually does change it because it, you have to keep it within its context and its time. Oh, yeah. I don't, I mean, it because doesn't change what's my coming, mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what's coming to them? What has John the Baptist been saying is getting ready to happen to them? The axe is laid at the root of the tree. Oh, yeah. If you do not do my father's will, you will be cast out and thrown to the fire, just like the wheat and the, ta- and the chaff, right? Like they know fire's coming, they know it. I sound like a douche. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's okay, hey guys. They know the it's fire okay. is coming. <laughs> well, so, it's, okay. it's, all it's just here. because I'm. It's not because of confidence. It's just I know it. I've studied it so much, so much yeah. that I know it like the back of my hand. And I just want people to understand when Jesus is, He's not teaching people about burning alive forever. Nope. And using that as a way, as a tool to get people to try to believe in Jesus is what A.W. Pink calls the sin of self-preservation. You can sin trying to save yourself. That's an actual thing because you're you're not thinking about salvation in the way that it's presented in the gospel. You're coming at it from a fear. Right. You're afraid of burning in hell. That's a great, excellent fear, but that's not the reason to come to Jesus. Whenever John was yelling at these religious men, these men knew the law. It's not like other people like that girl you know, who's asking the question, I don't know if my sister was a Christian or not. That girl didn't have the same information that the Sadducees had or the Pharisees had, right? So using this parabolic prophecy, because what he is in essence doing is telling the people in front of him, the high priest is going to burn. And so are all of his family. But he does something. He shows grace and mercy in the story. And here's how he does it. He raises a man named Lazarus from the dead, a real man. Think about that for a minute. Why do you think he did it? If he raised Lazarus from the dead, and you got a story in Luke 16 that says, please, please, from the depths of the worst kind of believer there is, which is a Sadducee, who is trying to squash the people, he's showing this immeasurable grace to even him by bringing Lazarus back. 
and he himself comes back. But what does he say to Caiaphas? He stares right at Caiaphas's face and he says, are you the son of God or not? And he said, you said that I am and you will see the son of man coming on the clouds Clouds of of glory. glory. Right? Yeah. So while in the gospel of Luke, when he brings up this story, he, if you do your research, you'll find out that what's actually going on behind the scenes is that Luke, the physician, is sharing the gospel with a high priest in Jerusalem, Theophilus Benanus. And he says, he calls it a treatise. And when it's a treatise, it's like a treaty, right? Mm-hmm. He's defending the gospel of the gospel of Luke is a two-part volume set. Yeah. of a defense of the Apostle Paul. It's literally a defense of who the Apostle Paul is because he's on trial. Nero's going to kill him, but he's on trial. He's written this entire book about Theophilus. You're not the high priest now, but you were, and you're close. You're in the inner circle. This isn't speculation. It makes so much sense to me. Yeah, it does. Do you know what I mean? I've never heard it. Well, and when I share it, people are like, I don't know. It's like, well, then... Please just go look at the sons of Annas. The you know whether you are a brother-in-law or not. He said, "I have five brothers. I call my in-law brothers family, and you know, and I don't have a family as close as they did back in the day. You know, like family back in the day was really something. There were a lot of rules and laws and cultural things about it. So Luke sixteen, in my opinion, is not a good place to take me when you want to talk about hell. Agreed. You know what else is cool? The book of Enoch describes Hades, Sheol, in the same way that Jesus described it. That it was a, and that there was a great expanse. One side was the, the wicked, and the other side was Abraham's bosom. And, and then they played dodgeball. And yeah, and here's the reality: there is not could the, happen, but the <laughs> they would have they'd have to use like balls that didn't have air in it. Well, the, you know the beach balls, <laughs> they're light. Yeah, yeah, but but the and we know that the Book of Enoch is not it's canon, not canon. But we also know that they used it a lot. Yes. But here's the point: I think even using Enoch, they were wrong. That's not what happens at all. Right. We go based off what the canon says, which is you die, and if you trusted in Christ, you live. Right. And you can go beyond here. That's kind of the thought process. But they get so hell-bent on their doctrine, they forget the love, man. And they call it love, tough love. You'll even see them crying behind the pulpit saying this stuff. I don't want you to burn. And they truly believe it. And it's awful. To me, that's craziness, you know? The biggest struggle for me is how... So, like, there's things that I'll, I'll get super passionate about, right? Sure. And even angry about. Especially with abuses behind pulpits and people using churches for their own gains and that sort of thing, like that makes me really angry. Yeah. What's confuses what confuses me is when when someone asks me about this topic and I'll try to give them just a a rough breakdown or whatever, and the anger that people feel, and they're it's like they're so mad that you would suggest that the Bible may not teach that granny's going to burn forever. Mm-hmm. 
And that confuses me. And that's where you go, you're so attached to like, I'm not even going to listen to that. I'm not even going to, that's not true. That's not true. Right. Mm -hmm. And not even being willing. I'm like, if you're not willing to question this doctrine, like if you're not willing to actually study the Bible to make sure it means what you've always been told it means, you're not willing to study anything. Yeah. You're so committed to people that don't know Jesus being in an eternal torture chamber, even though the the vast you know all of this evidence that says that that's not how God operates that's not what God does and that's not what God's going to do to, to unbelievers mm-hmm. you're not even willing to look at it because you're so committed to the old men that told you that your neighbor that doesn't cut his grass enough is going to burn forever you need that to be true mm-hmm. you desperately need people you don't like to be tortured that says something about your heart and about your character not about God's right Right, And it certainly doesn't say anything about what the Bible actually teaches, regardless of what you've been told, if you won't even study it and research it. And which, like you said, I'm sure some people will turn it off, you know, a bunch of heretics saying that people aren't going to burn forever. Yeah. That's that's a window into people's heart. Well, and it's if you think about, all right, you have a grandfather and a great-grandfather that have taught this doctrine for 75 years, and then now it's your turn and your turn to preach. Chances are you're going to follow in line with the traditions that you've been taught. Because if you break from those traditions, then it's almost like I'm saying that my grandfather is wrong. My great-grandfather is wrong. And it was easy for me to say that my grandfather was wrong and my great-grandfather was wrong because I was raised an atheist. And so they weren't. Like I had some that were believers and then some that were. So I had such a I had a skewed view on everything that I got to make my own decision. I wouldn't change that for the world, just so you understand. I'm thankful for the way that I was raised because it gave me the chance to choose as I read. I came at it as an unbeliever. I thought it was a joke. And then things suddenly changed for me and it became, it was life altering. And like Keith Green says, the only proof that I can give you is that he lives in my heart. That's all I've got. That's really all I've got. And so when I talk about the love, you know, to, to the way that the love has grown inside me, you know, just since becoming a believer, you know, I, I don't have words to explain it. I just, I mean, I try. Obviously, I've got a podcast and I talk a lot, but I still can't get it out. You know what I mean? You just can't, there's some things you just can't describe. There was one other verse that I was going to bring up. Go ahead, Andy. I, uh, I saw this thing on uh, TikTok, ironically, the, the other day, that, uh, like it's a little overblown and it actually goes on to question its own ideas. Uh, but part of it was that as a person in a manner of thinking, you're really just the amalgamation of the things you know and think. And uh, part of the reason people have trouble letting go of old ideas is because in a certain way of thinking, when you change your mind about something a portion of the person you used to be dies. Now they die in favor of a person that is only very slightly different than that person. Uh, so it's a little inflated, but I don't know. It was it was interesting. I, I liked it, and I'm going to use that. I'm going to turn that on you because I know sure. this isn't how you mean it. But if you look at the what repentance means in the Bible uh-huh. about changing your mind, I yeah. would agree with you because changing your mind about your sin, about the person and the work of Jesus literally is the vehicle that brings what we yeah, would yeah, consider sure, forgiveness, salvation. Sure, absolutely. We become a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. 
and it's based on repentance and faith in Jesus. So changing your mind is actually how we become followers of Christ. So I would agree with that. Totally, uh, no, though. From a different that, angle. No, that also <laughs> makes sense that way, for sure, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 There's a place in the Bible where, and I, I can't find it because I, I'd rather look at you and talk to you than actually search for it, but I remember, yeah, I just want to look straight Emphasis at you. Emphasis on the looking. And those eyes. Yeah. <laughs> look in those eyes. Um, blue eyes, ladies. <laughs> They're blue. Um, Ocean blue. <laughs> <laughs> what what nobody can see is that uh, Rick Carter is slowly getting closer yeah. and closer to to Josh as this goes along. Just, you can't hear the seat. My chair no, squeaks no, he's, when he's I move very, it over. Yeah. He's Blue incredibly subtle. I'm breathing I'm faster gonna, and weird. <laughs> I'm going oh, yeah. to sing a new modern opera song that uh, I just heard the other day. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> I, ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. <laughs> no. So there's a place in the scriptures where I think I have to go home. What a Molech, segue. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> Molech is um, you know, a god that this these people are worshiping and what they're doing is that they're bringing babies. They have these fires on this giant statue, right? There's a fire underneath it to Make these hands iron hot. I think that's in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I think, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. 19, I think. Such a. And they would sacrifice their children to this God by placing their infant child on the hands until it burned to death. And God was so horrified by it. It's hard to say that. Yeah. That you would think God's sovereign, He knows everything. It says He never even considered it. That is a wild statement. I'm sure. Somebody will tell me that I got the Hebrew wrong, and it means something else. But in my Bible, that's the way. That's the way. That's right. everything happens. I'm like, well, it means this. No, I'm sorry. You need to learn Hebrew. It's like, well, you it, know, it I'm certainly sorry. is communicating the not shock in terms of surprise, but it is certainly communicating the horror. Yes. Of of God looking at that, right? To say He never considered it. How does a all knowing God never consider it? Obviously. He probably did, huh? Or did he not? He says it. That's what we we always talk about these things in here. I yes. love that. Like, is yeah. God asking Adam a rhetorical question? Where are you, Adam? Well, God's sovereign. He knew where he was. Well, then why did he ask him? Well, because he's like a child. We need to ask a question so they'll... <sighs> we, we can read it so many things in the Bible, that, including the doctrine of hell. Jesus? Yeah, it's isogesis. I, I wouldn't. Well, we don't need to get off on Genesis. Isogesis. <laughs> Yeah. I so Jesus. I so Jesus. <laughs> you are so Jesus. I, I wish okay. we could figure out a different word than those. Exegesis and Isa Jesus. Yeah. I get them mixed up all the time. Yeah. Well, so always, meaning. what is, yeah. is Isa Jesus and exegesis? So Isa Jesus is whenever you put your thoughts into the doctrine or into okay. the words to mean a thing. Uh-huh. So you're injecting your thoughts which then you read it in a specific way because of a preconceived notion that you have, which is one of the reasons that I told you I started this podcast mm-hmm. long ago. All of the preconceived notions that have been taught to me, I wanted to unlearn them, read the Bible, and then kind of revisit what my faith actually was. And I, boy, howdy, have Ooh. we? We have really went through the <laughs> ringer. And it's like, oh, it's nothing like what I've been taught. What do you know? When I always, I always say this. When the pastor says, you, you only need a third grade education to read the Bible. 
And it's like, you're right to read the words, but they don't understand it. Yeah, you need a third grade education in Roman, Greek, (laughs) Hebrew. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah, maybe one more language just for the fun of it. Aramaic. Yeah, Aramaic. There There you go. A third grade grade education. In Aramaic. uh, But but our understanding of a third grade reading level, not theirs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is even worse. Yeah. But you know— I want to punch them in the throat when they say it because I'm like I've been. That's what I have been doing. And by the way, I passionately I love to read the scripture, and I love to study it out with the intent of not just gaining a lot of knowledge. You know, because I've I've already went down that path in my life where I got a whole lot of head knowledge, and it didn't do me a lick of good. I didn't have a heart whatsoever. And then God turned this really stony heart that I've got and just made it into flesh. And so I love the word. And then I t- I try to learn it as much as I can. And then yell at you like a douche canoe about why I'm right. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole, that's the full circle, right? <laughs> I like you, You're and becoming beat you a with it. And I do apologize to all the listeners and to everyone in the studio. I did not mean to sound like that. It's just, I, I get so passionate about it. And I, I don't, it. I, that probably reads harder to you because you're you yeah. than it does to anybody else. Yeah, I didn't catch that today. You're a pacifist, today. remember? I'm a yeah. pacifist, yeah, pacifist unless I'm right. right over there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the worst thing I've ever listened to is uh, when I was with you guys on the podcast. Oh, you hated it? Oh, yeah. Hey, listen you to yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's too bad. Why? I probably preached so, about, I mean, y'all were just great. just hate the sound of their own yeah. voice. I probably, yeah. I think I've actually preached like over a thousand times, like three or 400,000 people. When I hear, I never listen to my own stuff. Yeah. I hate it. That's that's that not super yeah. uncommon. I got, yeah. I got some bad news for you, pal. If you're starting a YouTube channel and you got to edit, enjoy it. Oh, you're yeah, going to be listening I'm, to yourself a lot. I'm that stuff. You I'm going to. Push play. I'm just gonna do oh, it. You're it's just gonna, doing it's, it live. Oh, it's gonna yeah. be trash. Uh, Raw <laughs> <Yeah>. and unfiltered. <laughs> it's gonna be. Trash. It's gonna be absolute garbage. But I don't care. Hot garbage. you know, Rick says so. <laughs> That's right. Uh, like Bill O'Reilly. Oh, yeah, man, we're doing it live. <laughs> we're yeah. doing it live. Yeah, I yeah, love that. Right. <laughs> uh, hot garbage. I, I want to say it, but I well, can't say it. Well, we solved. Eternal conscious torment for the world. Yes, we I did. know. We're we so solved good another. At this. I can't wait to the next. What do we need to solve next time? You know. So we've solved racism. We've solved uh, in the problem of infinity. Oh, yeah, the yes. problem of infinity. Yes. We fixed. That. We actually we didn't solved. actually solve it. We fixed we it. <laughs> <laughs> fixed it. Just fixed that one. That's exactly right. Yeah. Hey, it turns out you guys- it was just like one little screw you needed to put in a different hole. Yeah, fine. I got to make sure that. This episode gets out so that they understand what we're talking about. Because that, well, that one actually comes out tomorrow. Dr. Sam Frost Fridays. We got four of them in a row. And uh, hold on to your seatbelt. I have to say something actually. Oh, um, and I and Sarita, I don't know how you want to, what, whatever you want to do. Do you remember the thing we talked about? I don't know if you want to do that now or we can do it some other time. But for me, you're the pod father. No, it's not lay up down to, the law. It's not up to me. It's something that I wanted to. To say, um, I have got in a tremendous amount of positive awesome. um, emails and texts and calls about Sam Frost. About Sam. About, about I'm, I'm not surprised because his views represent a significant amount of the population. No, here's the beauty of it. It's the people that don't hold his view. Oh, really? That oh. are calling me. Well, that is interesting. And they're mm. saying that they appreciated the fact that we could have a civil discourse and we would keep it under control, that we could laugh, but we also got down into some brass tacks. All we, well, all I've great. shared so far is just the testimony. You haven't heard a thing yet. Wow, yeah, yeah. You wait till more. you get into the other stuff when he yeah. really starts cutting on the full predators pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I have to try to be like, all right, enough, enough, enough. You I'm know? excited to listen to that. Yeah. Yeah, that so that one last Thursday's testimony was Dr. Sam Frost. Tomorrow's, uh, which whenever you hear this podcast, guys, it's going to be a couple weeks after it, but it'll be Dr. Sam Frost Friday to infinity and beyond is what I titled that one. So, um, yeah, and that was a good discussion. And anyway. during our time with Sam Frost, Sarita, yes, so I mistakenly um, assigned the wrong person. <laughs> who said that non-preterists were heretics. It was not Mike Sullivan. I would like to apologize to Mike Sullivan. Apparently, we got a lot of negative, or I, just I didn't hear him say that. So I went back and had to re-listen to everything we had to, oh, already no. been through. Yes. Oh, oh, that's rough. <laughs> it was bad. That's a lot. You know, like, can I tell you a trick real quick? Oh, I've had it on like three. No, no, no. I was listening fast. Nope, nope. Did you know that you can download the transcripts and search for words? I know. I didn't know that. It's really fast. I downloaded transcripts. I typed in heretic huh. three times on Michael Sullivan. None of them are about other people. He just yeah, says, that's correct. why are you calling me a damnable heretic? That's correct. It and even I gives you the time, the time text where it is. And I do apologize oh, you know, to Mike Sullivan. And I did not mean to throw him under the bus. It was not him. So thank you for understanding that I made well, a mistake. Josh did that last week on his oh, that, Facebook yeah, page with Adrian. Me. Oh, I did that with Adrian Rogers. Adrian, yeah. I also did it when we were here. I yeah. said that John Calvin said something that That's Thomas right. Aquinas said. It was Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas said one of the joys of, of heaven will be looking down and seeing people burn in hell. Yeah. It wasn't John Calvin. It was uh, Thomas Aquinas. Right. I realized that on my way home. Oh, yeah. And it's like Eleanor Roosevelt says, it's all about speed. Hot, nasty, badass speed. <laughs> <laughs> you're not first, you're last. <laughs> Tell it again. Wait, that's Ricky Bobby. <laughs> the great philosopher. I, I spoke with Mike Sullivan about this, and and he said, if you want to call him, you can. Absolutely. You, you can call and talk to him. But he said, he actually chuckled, and he was like, um, it's okay. I, he's like, I hope I didn't say that. He's like, He didn't, and it wasn't him. And you and I have kind of gone back and forth on what was actually said, so I'm not even going to mention it. Sure. Because— you're coming at it with your perception. I'm coming at it with my perception, mm-hmm. and that kind of skews how we heard it. However, my husband also feels the same way after listening and to it. I think it. that that's fair. That's a fair and assessment. And so, however, it was great to sit there because I know what you two take, and mm-hmm. uh, and the people who were sitting in that room usually are the ones that are called heretics. Mm-hmm. And, and part of this discussion that you and I were having is we cannot—we use that word, and now it means nothing— it doesn't. I mean, they when they use the word heretic with Joan of Arc, they burned her at the stake. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not burning people at the stakes. We're calling them names. You're a racist. You're a transphobe. You're a heretic. You're a whatever. Whatever the current vernacular is for a person that you just can't have a discussion with because you can't back up your opinion. So we throw out words at people and names, and we call them names. And so I— did not want to put that on Mike Sullivan after I went back and, and re, re-listened to his uh, two. I didn't listen to the one. I, I didn't miss his. I missed Crookshank's second one. But um, I did go back and listen to both of those. And it was not Mike Sullivan. So I apologize, Mike. But I just, yeah, would it, like, can we just not be calling people names? That would be sweet. That would be so nice. As a matter of fact, like, the birds of Berea are going to solve heresy. Yeah. That's I'm, next. I'm not going to not stop calling people names. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start Why did you say you couldn't call them mother? Uh, oh. I'm not going to talk. 
I'm not going to tell the truth to people anymore. Because oh, yeah. I want to be... I, I think as we discovered here to today, yeah, telling the truth is just universally bad. Yeah. I think that's what we what we came to today. Yeah. And just so you know... That was my lesson. I'm sitting between a couple of hotties myself. Take it as you want it, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. <laughs> I got Big Rick tomorrow, right? <laughs> Big Daddy Carter. So I can't. <laughs> well, Josh, thanks for coming back on the show. I, you know, obviously, there's a whole lot more we could get into every single verse, but I think that's it's safe to say that um, we've given enough information to where people could at least question the idea. Maybe my position on eternal eternal conscious torment isn't as easy as it as I want it to be. Yeah. I, well, Edward Fudge is somebody to look up. He's is like watching paint dry, but he is a genius. And he, he was given a talk on this topic and he said, whatever you do, don't change your mind tonight. Mm-hmm. Like he's an annihilationist. And he was talking to a group of people that believed in eternal conscious torment. And he said, if you change your mind tonight, you haven't studied it enough. Yeah. Right. And so it took me years. Um, so hopefully people will just dig into the Bible and see what it actually says. I'm going to look it up just because his last name is Fudge. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get this yeah. size by not eating that stuff. I can promise you that. <laughs> Bam. Bam. <laughs> Well, guys, uh, Billy. Yes. Glad to see you, you hottie. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's good to have you it back. It is good yeah. to have it you is. back. Like well, a baby Ruth. The baby Ruth. Floating in a pool. <laughs> Three to the edge. And Who was literally floating in a pool. <laughs> Andy. Yeah. Thanks for letting us come into the studio. Rick Carter. Yo, we yeah. gotta do we gotta do one more. I wanna hear Josh in his old timey Christian preacher voice say yeah. it ain't got no gas in it. Let's hear it. <laughs> oh please. Oh man, yes. I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna get in that. So, I mean that sounded like Carl off Sling Blade. So that was awesome. So uh <laughs> put you on the spot. Am I doing sling blade? Well, no, yeah. I mean that that voice sounded just like can you Carl. Do it? I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> It, it ain't got no gas in it. All right, all right, all right. Let, me, let me give it a shot. That was Rick. It ain't got no gas in it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Can, you do, can that? you do Hank Hill? Can you do Hank Hill? No, I can't do Hank Hill. Dang it, Bobby. <laughs> Dang it, Bobby. <laughs> Dang it, Bobby. <laughs> Dang it, I'm the worst at voices. Yeah, I'm so. terrible. I, I can't do them, man. Just, no. just, yeah. I can do a wicked Jim Carrey impression, uh-huh. and that's the only thing I can do. And it. you're can spot you do it? on. Oh, I, do we I, have what, to see you it? Yeah, yeah you got to be able to see it. You know? Oh, yeah, uh, that's true. Jim Carrey's kind of visually important. Yeah, it's very visually visual. important. <laughs> All righty then. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. No, I wish yeah, you yeah. could have seen his face. It's hot. <laughs> Wouldn't wicked Jim Carrey be like, the wages of sin are worth it? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be wicked Jim Carrey? <laughs> Torture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hasn't he come out like and said glove. that he... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He's a believer? You got to look at the rest of the video. Yeah, I didn't. That was doctored. Was that AI? It, no, it's oh, him, just probably but just good it's in a speech yeah. where Jesus says some really cool stuff. Oh, right? he likes that stuff. He likes, right. But if you watch the rest of the video, it was sort of doctored. Do you know how everybody wants a famous person to be a Christian now? Oh, of course. He's, from yes. what I can tell, he's not. Uh, it certainly looks like he's looking into some stuff, but people need to stop sharing that video. Yeah, you know, I never actually watched it. I just saw the comments, so I'm, yeah, I'm real bad yeah. about not watching. No, no, it, so. and I, I watched it just because I was curious because I'm a Jim Carrey fan, but it was just like a 13 second clip out of a long one. Yeah, that's more New Age than it is Christianity. So, do you have a title for your new YouTube thing? Uh, no, 
No, I'll probably do something really, uh, really genius like Josh Sexton Radio or something. Yeah, I, I have Could no you call creativity. It sexy radio? I cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure people might be confused. We about what like I'm doing. Yeah. That'd be your OnlyFans. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be your OnlyFans yeah. count. Yeah. Soon after, after Joe, welcome Josh. Welcome to Joe's Joe sexy radio. Sex time. We are sexy we put the sexy pastor. <laughs> Oh, God. I know. Stop. Thank you for dropping Stop. by. Yeah. <laughs> nice Bring stuff. douchey Rick back. <laughs> we want douche canoe back. Yeah. <laughs> New ship. Don't worry. We'll be back again. We'll we'll talk to you guys again next time <laughs> on the Burrows of Bria. Peace out. Bye. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone. This is Andy. There's a lot of crosstalk and people off mic talking in this post pod, but I thought it was fun, so I included it anyway. Thanks. Oh, you did. Dang, girl, they make... And, uh, I, and I had sunscreen on, but uh, I, it was cloudy and I just didn't reapply. Like, it was overcast. Oh, yeah. I, I'll get that ass. Yeah, yeah and it was like ass. 85. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. The dog swam. Um, my dog dives to the bottom of the pool. Seriously? His frisbee will sink down and he'll go down and get it and come you, back you, up with it. And pool water don't bother him. No. Like their skin or eyes or mouth or nose. He's it, a, chlorine doesn't bother He's a chocolate lab. Nothing bothers that dog. Oh, that he would sense. swim. I have to get him out after a certain amount of time because he would swim until his heart stopped. Yeah. He loves it <laughs> yeah, so much. He like that, yeah. But he does. He I mean, dives to the bottom. I mean, and then he he circles That's back amazing. up. It's amazing. That's cool. I didn't know it was a thing, so I Googled, do dogs dive? And apparently <laughs> labs are known for it. There's a, guy, there's a guy in the Bahamas that uses his for a lobster catcher. Oh, he really? says, go get it, and the dog will go down and get the lobster <laughs> off the bottom of the ocean because you can see everything in the Caribbean. Well, that, well, they're a retriever breed anyway, right? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. We thought it was a fluke, but it's not a fluke. He Did you see that guy did that really cool series of like dogs diving into water, like underwater photography? Yes. Really <sighs> cool. yeah. yeah. Your dog your dog could qualify. So we actually put the GoPro on him last year. That was fun. <laughs> For the diving? Yeah. That is cool. So yeah, you could cool. actually see him swirl to the bottom and then every time he comes up he swirls to the top. I don't know if it helps his ears or huh. what, but how big a pool you got? It's a big pool. Big pool. Yeah. It's a big pool. Let me see if I can find the... That's cool. My hey, friend made a video that's cool. of it Kermit today. Let me see if I can find it. I didn't see Sarita's car, so I thought, oh, man, it's going to be a sausage fest tonight. <laughs> here he Get your donkey in here. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a sausage fest. It'll, I think it'll replay. Yeah. He goes down to the bottom, gets his frisbee. Pool dog. Where's Josh? That's cool. He's on his way. He He's coming from Rosman. He said he got that's caught in cool. some traffic. He'll be here in a little bit. That, yeah, that's a nice pool. My doggy, the diving. Oh, yeah. The diving doggy. Oh, yeah. Your dog dives to get the stuff? At the bottom of the deep end, yeah. In a pool, oh, yeah. It's so cool. We sent the we sent the video a video of him. We put the GoPro on him and did it last year. And we sent it to hit the breeder. 
We call her Lena, the Russian princess, because um, she's Russian. And um, but she, she was like, he dives. Dude, I was I, like, so you yeah. Have a TikTok? I know. To your kids? <laughs> no, we don't allow TikTok. <laughs> My ass well, just cannot handle. Because that would be a viral video. <laughs> I can't know that would go like viral. Are you serious? Yes. Why Wouldn't no? you agree? Yes. <laughs> a, a dog that dives to the bottom of a pool it helps to have the right music and a goofy little <laughs> comment written in. But you could do that. <laughs> what? Her dog dives to the bottom of the pool. Like uh, a David Allen Coe song, Divers Do It Deeper. Divers Do It Deeper. <laughs> Doctors Do It Deeper. Well, his name cleaner. is Sir Leroy Jenkins, wow, so we just play look that. At you. <laughs> Cowboys stay in the saddle a little <laughs> bit longer. <laughs> you ever heard that? No. What do David Allen Coe? Donkeys, they bray a little bit louder. <laughs> <laughs> but he says, like, that's yeah, that's the, that's the trucker's edition. <laughs> Everything the, about him is trouble. Yeah. He's got a bad song. You've heard that one. I've heard a lot of bad songs. The so. N-word song? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's pretty bad. 14 kids He's and dead, a bunch right. of dogs. He died. Chickens in the yard for the Got fired. Yeah, that was, he, that was a while said, back. Yeah. No, that's your recent, I think. Oh, really? I, yes. Yeah, I thought it was like a month ago or something. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. But it just recently got fired. Okay. Put on suspension. Uh, he went to right. the... Where was... Uh, what, I forgot what baseball team, but they went to the. Was it the quick twitch thing again? Quick twitch muscle. You know, you're just you're just built different. It's quick twitch. Well, they went to the, the Negro that Jimmy the Greek? Museum. This all day. guy. And when he got on there and he talked about it, he he called it the the N word with an R. Mm. And he and yeah, they fired him over it. Of course they did. I have to admit. What do you think you're gonna get away with that? <laughs> one of the well, it wasn't intentional. One of the funniest. Well, I didn't mean to. Have, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen the South Park episode? Oh, the Wheel of Fortune yes, episode. Have yes, you seen that? Yes. Wheel of Fortune. South Park. We're at the uh, the end. It's of, the very beginning. Yeah, it yeah. starts off and it's like in oh, yeah. space, G G E R, and it's like a person that irritates. Oh, you that's the yeah. that's the meme that yeah, comes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, and he's like. And, and it's like, funny because like, like, there's, a, there's a camera, <laughs> the camera facing him, and the black man goes <laughs> before he says it. Yeah. He's like, I may think I know what the word is, but I don't want to say it. <laughs> well, here it goes. <laughs> What's up? Hold up. Hey, How's it going, up? man? Heathen. <laughs> that caught on. Tease the Yannicka Jaheathen the other day. Josh, how are you? I'm Billy. Oh gosh, we have both of them in the room at the same time. This might be too beautiful. It doesn't matter. We're not talking, but I got a lot of that in the last couple. Watch the what? The the mic touching. I mean, it goes for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I pee behind your building? Yeah. Yeah. It's his building. But yes. (laughs) He owns the studio. Yeah, this is Draft Studio. I don't know. Oh, you didn't see the sign out there? It says bathroom? Yeah. Yeah. No, yes, yes, please. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just in general. Just watch the watch touching the, the mic stand when you're actually talking. Yeah. I really paid attention last time and didn't yeah. do it, so it wasn't me. No, no. I was doing this. Uh, Rick. <laughs> Rick, you realize we have eye candy and Josh in the same room. Same oh, my gosh. Room. He is so hot right now. <laughs> it's, so a, hot. Who's the, it's a contest of no, the no, hotties. There's no contest. What am Josh I, Chubb Liver? There's yeah. no contest. Yeah. No contest. <laughs> it's a contest of the hotties. <laughs> yeah. No contest. <laughs> and I'm all by myself. Sarita's in a <laughs> sausage fest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you yeah, you hear when today. when Rick came on, that's the first thing he said. He was like, "Thank God, at least Sarita's here." Do you remember <laughs> at least one girl? Do you remember Maxim magazine? Maxim, yeah. do you remember Maxim? Yeah, yeah. remember at the back of them, they always put in those Playboy funny pictures, Light? and they'd have people like mail in like 
a one sentence blurb of what the picture was. Like there's this one <laughs> and it's all these men that are in like push up state in a circle and they've got their foot on the shoulders of the guy behind them and it just goes in a circle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> there's this guy standing on the outside of it. <laughs> Somebody wrote, <laughs> suddenly Bill, re- Bill realized he had to be the nipple again. <laughs> 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 it was obviously a coach, but he, he walked yeah. up and he's like, I'm going to have to go in the middle and be the nipple. <laughs> Lord, I have ate so much food, I am going to die. <laughs> what did you eat? We, my what he didn't eat. My wife's my wife's aunt passed away uh, on Tuesday. I'm sorry. And um, so the whole family, Laureen Wilkie. Do you know Jeff Wilkie? Yeah, yeah, it's his mother. Oh wow. Okay. And so Holly and Jeff are cousins. Oh, Thank okay. you. <laughs> so they invited us to a family dinner, and you know everybody at church brings a big, you know, it's like a potluck. Mm-hmm. Galore. I mean, there's so much. Certain food churches there. do that, yeah. And so like they're like, "Come, and, come and eat with us and help us eat all this food." So we did <laughs> all this food. Somebody called <laughs> Rick. There was they were like, "Hey, Holly, could you get your husband come over here and play cleanup?" <laughs> the garbage he's, disposal. He's yeah, the yeah. number four hitter. Yeah. <laughs> he's playing cleanup. Don't you worry. It's, it's kind of like, hey. Rick, yeah. are you hungry? <laughs> we got a couple. Of, like, hey, Holly, did you see how many plates Rick ate? They're like, we're not starting the diet today, Rick. You sure you That's want to take any Rick on your way didn't, out? Didn't they, uh, did he, hasn't he already been in the line three times? Yeah. <laughs> Rick, you sure you, you didn't get enough? Y'all going to eat that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, you're going to eat the rest of that pie? I started yeah. digging at six uh, this morning, so I'll probably 14, slouch a bit. My 14-year-old son says, Mom, you going to finish that? Yes, I am. Well, I'm still hungry. Well, go make a sandwich. And yeah. he literally go makes a sandwich or a cereal. I've never seen a human being eat like that. But oh, my I husband did. said mm. that he was like that. He said, I never got full no matter how much yeah. I ate. I miss really? those days. He said, I ate yeah. three Sunday dinners after church at my, in my name, in my yard where had I was from. Huh? So I don't know if I ever had those days. No. Yeah. Where you can just eat. And I eat ate so yeah. much. I feel like if you, I mean, if a needle got near me, so I would pop. Did you eat so much? You nearly your pants. Yeah. Like the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Are we oh, rolling? Yeah. yeah, we're rolling.